0: You are listening to the First Baptist Jinx podcast. To learn more about FBC Jinx, including our gathering times, visit us online at fbcjinx.org. Today's talk comes from Pastor Cody Brumley. Bell Church family, uh, as you can tell, we are in a brand new series, a series called Together. And it's fitting because the month of November uh, is about gratitude and togetherness and things like that. So we are excited to jump into it. Uh, It's not only that series uh, that is new. There's also some new things in your worship guide. Make sure to grab those. One thing I want to draw your attention to is a brand new small group that is starting. If you haven't found a group yet, and maybe you're serving on Sundays and uh, doing other things, and um, you're looking for a group to connect with, Wednesday nights, our discipleship pastor, Jacob Jones, is starting a sermon-based group. Uh, And so uh, if you don't have one, uh, just give this one a look. Uh, I'm excited about the sermon-based option, because you all should know this. Uh, My measure of effectiveness in a sermon is not how many people heard it, it is not how the delivery went, it is if it leaves the room. So when somebody says, hey, we got into our car and we talked about, or over lunch we were talking about, or once we got home, we were really just talking through and praying through, that's where the actual work of the word happens when it leaves this room. And so a sermon-based group just helps you do that. It helps move forward uh, the sermon leaving this room and getting into your life. So check that out and a number of other things that are in your worship guide. Uh, Something else you may have got today that is different than normal is this. Uh, This is our 2024 ministry plan. And so uh, what you see on the screen behind you is the inside of this, which was put together by uh, our uh, Christina Wright, uh, Drew Wright, our finance team, all worked diligently to put this together. So would you just give them a round of applause, by the way, for organizing this in such an incredible way. Uh, They're awesome. Uh, I want to make sure you have one of these. So on your way out of church, make sure to grab one. There's some on a back table and some at every entrance. This is uh, our new way of communicating how we believe God wants us to steward our resources together next year. Uh, Next year, we want to advance the gospel. We want to make disciples. We want to continue to see life change happen. Uh, In here, it talks about 88 baptisms and growth in our church family and a lot of good things from this last year. We want to see what God has next. And so we put this together to explain uh, that we do ministry through teams. As you see our teams listed there, there are dozens of teams that serve all throughout the church in unique areas. There's a few teams that serve the overall church. That's what you see listed. And then our budget breakdown, which includes our missional giving, kind of a breakout of where that money goes, uh, which is a reminder, next week, a reason you want to be here. Uh, We give a lot to and through ministry partners. And so, next Sunday, when you're here, you're going to hear from the North American Mission Board President, Kevin Azell, who will uh, help you understand how some of your giving impacts all over uh, North America, church planting. But in our gathering area, we're going to have Hope is Alive and CarePoint and our Kenya missions and 111 Project and FCA and a number of ministries that we minister through to reach the community here next week. So you can see the impact of your giving. You can also close that gap if God's been compelling you, like I want to be. I want to be in the trenches doing something with with students or homeless ministry or impacting uh, families that are fostering, and adopting or uh, ESL. Uh, They're all going to be here next week. So it'll be an amazing Sunday worth being at. This thing, though, we are going to, I want you to look at, pray over. If you have questions about anything and how we're planning to move ahead, we have Q&As the next two Wednesday nights. So the next two Wednesday nights, you can attend those. Our finance team, as well as some of our staff, will be there to answer those questions as we dream ahead. Uh, Then on November 19th, two Sundays from now, in every service, we're going to stop and we're going to vote over this plan as a church family to say, you know what, we're all in this together. Um, And so we're going to vote on that. It'll be an exciting day, to look ahead. And it's actually this ministry plan that stirred me towards a story in 1 Samuel today. So I want you to open your Bibles if you have them to 1 Samuel. Uh, We're gonna start in chapter four. And uh, you can look in the table of contents, see where it's at, make your way there. I'll catch you up on what's happening in the Bible in First Samuel while you're headed there. Because if you didn't know, the Bible is one giant story. It's something we're teaching our kids on Wednesday nights. So I'm gonna walk you to this point of the story in case you didn't know. God created the world and after creation, sin entered and there was a fall of man. So men fell from favor with God because of sin. After that fall, God made a promise. A promise that he was going to restore all things and he was going to accomplish that through family and so God picks a family through a man named Abraham and Abraham with his family has a son Isaac who's going to have Jacob Jacob's going to have 12 sons and Jacob is going to have his name changed to Israel and that's where we get the 12 tribes of Israel as that family is saved into Egypt and then while in Egypt they become slaves but they also become not just a family but a nation And then God saves that nation by helping them escape from Egypt. By the mighty hand of God, there's this exodus. They escape out of Egypt, and God says, this is now my people, my family, my nation. And to know what it's like to be God's people in a world impacted by sin, God gave them the law. And so God gives them the law to know that, and then says, I'm also giving you a land to live as my people, the promised land. And so the people under the leadership of Joshua take the land. And whenever they get there, God is their king, but he's executing leadership through judges. That's the book of Judges, if if you're familiar with that word. So that's where we find ourselves right now in the story. God's people have taken the promised land, and they're fighting with neighboring nations. So you have the Canaanites and the Amorites and uh, the Hittites, and you have the Philistines. And the Philistines are currently their biggest enemy. This is all before the day of kings. So Saul and David and before kingdom divided and before exile and before return. Return is where we spent the last 10 weeks. And all of that before silence and then the Messiah and then the, the gospel and the church, the cross and the resurrection, all of the beautiful moments that we celebrate. So we're, we're here in the time of judges when we get to 1 Samuel 4. God's people decide that they're gonna go to war against the Philistines. And, that, and in uh, chapter four, verse one, it says they encamped at Ebenezer and the Philistines encamped at Aphek. And the Philistines drew up lines against Israel. And when the battle spread, Israel was defeated before the Philistines who killed about 4,000 men on the field of battle. So Israel goes to war and they lose. Verse three, the people came to the camp and the elders of Israel said, why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? So I want you to notice there's good theology of their leaders, they recognize the Philistines didn't defeat God's people. God defeated them through the Philistines. They say, why did God do this? But instead of actually looking to God, the next thing they do is they look to themselves to try and solve their problem. Why did God let this happen? You know what, we're gonna fix it. Here's what we're gonna do. They say, let's send to Shiloh and we're gonna get the Ark of the Covenant and we're gonna bring it here because look at the language, which is really important. And in the rest of verse three, It says that it may come among us and save us from the power of our enemies. God's people say, "Let's go get the ark of the covenant. Maybe it'll save us." So they bring it, and the people send out to Shiloh. Whenever it arrives at the camp, the Israelites cheer. The Philistines hear this loud noise, and they go, "We've never seen anything like this." So in verse nine, they say, "Take courage, be men, O Philistines, lest you become slaves to the Hebrews as they've been to you. Be men and fight." Verse 10 So the Philistines fought, and Israel was defeated, and they fled, every man to his own home. And there was a very great slaughter, for 30,000 foot soldiers of Israel fell. The ark of God was captured. The two sons of Eli, Eli was a current priest and judge, Hophni and Phinehas died. Uh, Hophni and Phinehas, it was prophesied that they would die because they had greatly neglected the holiness of God. So Samuel, who's a young prophet, That said, hey, this line's going to end. They bring news of their death to Eli, their father. Eli falls backwards, breaks his neck. Now, Israel, in case you weren't keeping track, has no priest. They have no judge. They have scattered to go live and hide in their homes, or they are enslaved by Philistines, or they are dead like the 30,000 on the battlefield. They have no army. Now, this could be a good point where you're like, Cody, that was super negative. Right, like, what happened to, like, Happy Ministry Plan, Cody? Where did he go? How did we get here? Here's how we got here. Because misplaced faith is really dangerous. God's people just going through the motions. Things have been good in the past, so they're going to keep being good. Why wouldn't they be? It doesn't require anything of us than to just kind of keep doing what we're doing, There's gotta be no more growth of my faith. I need to be no more invested in what God's doing. I don't need to serve or work. You know what, the church has been good, the church is gonna keep being good if we just keep showing up. Because it's our past, and we've got so much faith, like why would it change? And even if you're like, oh man, that's not right, you can say, well we've got a great plan. We, we've got this, these great staff people we're hiring. Some of them, like Jacob and I, even choose to dress the same on Sundays. That's adorable. Thanks, Jacob. Right? And so, like, we got, we got the staff, and we've got this, this booklet that says, here's all the ways we're gonna spend all the money that God's gonna bring in, and so here's our plan. And misplaced faith, like the Israelites, our past is so good, our plan is so great, leads to destruction. The last thing I want us to do as a church is dream about what God wants to do through First Baptist Jean's family and seeing the gospel advance and lives change. And all we think is like, I just, I just gotta go through the motions because of course God's gonna do it. In this way, faith, I think about how it was explained to me one time uh, that a little faith in the right thing is far more effective than a lot of faith in the wrong things. was explained to me like walking out on ice. You can have a little bit of faith in two feet of ice and that will sustain you versus a lot of faith in an inch of an ice. An inch of ice will sink you. Why? Because, listen church, it's not about the amount of faith you have. It's about the substance of the object of your faith. The thing you are placing your faith in, can it sustain you? Can it hold you. We have this moment in, with God's people. They put their faith in the wrong things. Godly things. Listen to that. Their faith was even in godly things but it wasn't in God himself. And I don't want us to fall into that same trap. That's why in addition to a ministry plan, something else you see around the church are these commitment cards. These commitment cards are an invitation to you. They're an invitation for the next two weeks to say, God, If we're going to go somewhere together as a church, and if you're going to do a work through us together and through other lives together and in our neighbors and our schools and our communities, if you're going to do that, it's because I have committed to be a part of it. If you want to see what God has planned for next year and with the advancement of his gospel, it's going to come back to you saying, I want my life to be in the right spot so I don't miss it. And so we're Giving all of these to you, and this is really simple. For two weeks, we want you to pray over this. Put it somewhere you can see it. Put it in your car, put it in your Bible, put it on the refrigerator. I'm there a lot, you know, places like that. And so put it somewhere you will see it and say, God, here's the prayer. What do you want for me? That's the prayer. God, what do you want for me? Not what do you want from me? Don't look at that. That gets right back to what Israel did, right? Here's all of our hope and our own plans and our own efforts. No, God, what do you want for me? What could a life in 2024 look like that's full of faith, that's all in, that completely believes you, that takes you at your word? And these things help you move that way. These are things that go in you first. I'm going to pour into Christ my relationship with him and into his church. I'm gonna make some commitments inside of me and the things that I I put into me and then some things that come out of your life. This is how I'm going to give. This is how I'm gonna use my gifts. This is how I'm gonna steward my life. And the reason we have both of them is because we know that an outward expression really only matters as much as there's an inward change. But the outward expression matters because you can't see your own faith. It's impossible. It's like trying to see your own eyeball. You can try it real quick if you'd like. Try to look at your own eyeball. All you will get is a headache and you will look ridiculous. (laughs) You can't. Now someone explained to me, that one of the commentators actually, as I was studying this, wrote it that way, he said, you can't, all you can see at best is a reflection of your eye. Our faith is the same way. You actually can't see how much faith you have. You can't see if your faith's in the right place. All you can see is a reflection of where you've put your faith. And so this helps show you where your faith really is. Because if you want to know about your faith, you can't see it. All you can see is the outworkings. All you can see is the decisions you make, the priorities you have, the way your emotions are moved, how much time you give to prayer, where it is that you put your mind and your heart and your affections and your treasures. That is measurable. And those are the things you can look at to say, okay, my life looks like this, which means my faith is in the right place. So that's why we give you this commitment, this invitation and I hope that you would spend two weeks praying over this. You would fill it out. And on November 19th, the same day that we were voting, hey, together as a church, let's steward our resources this way to advance the gospel around the world and to make disciples in our own backyard. I also want to lay this at the altar and say, God, I'm in. This is where I want to be a part of where we're headed. And that's what God's people do. God's people realize their mistake some 20 years later. When you get to 1 Samuel 7, verse 2, it says that a long time passed, some 20 years, and the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. God's people got to a point that they were like, wait, we put our faith in the wrong things. We need God again. It's the song we just sang, like, I, I just want you, Lord. Like, I don't want anything else. And so they, they have that moment. And when they have that moment, Samuel approaches in verse 3. And he said to the house of Israel, if you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, that language it's beautiful. If you're really doing this, it's fitting as a church that we'd be in this moment, having spent ten weeks studying returning to God, having spent last week at this altar with a number over you of you just, just weeping because we don't want sin here. We don't want sin in our lives. We want the Lord. We want his presence. And so, in that way, God's people said, We want to return to God. And it's what, as a church, it just feels right. And Samuel says, Okay, if that's true, then there's going to be some things about your life that look different. And he invites them to this point of commitment. He says, If that's true, then outwardly, you put away the foreign gods and the Asheroth from among you. Inwardly, you direct your heart to the Lord and serve him only, and he will deliver you from the Philistines. So he gives this invitation, if you're really returning to God, then put away these other things and fix your heart on the Lord. Now, the goddess that's mentioned there, Asheroth, this false god of fertility. Um, so love and sex, fertility, kind of all in a word, pleasure. And then the other god you're going to see listed there is Baal. The Baal was a common foreign god of the time. He was a god, uh, the god known and their culture for climate and therefore for all of the prosperity, all of the growth and all of the grain that they had. So he looks at them and says, you're telling me you want God, but in your homes, you still have another plan to pursue your own pleasure and to pursue your own prosperity besides God. I don't know about y'all, but that hit for me. Yes, I want the Lord. I need the Lord. I desire his presence. But then you have to assess your faith. Am I looking anywhere else for pleasure in my life or for prosperity in my life besides the Lord? And Samuel says, if you really want him, put those away. Don't look anywhere else. Say, God, I believe the deepest pleasures, uh, they, they abide with you. And God, I believe the prosperity I need in my life comes from you and you alone. Don't look to other places for those. That's the commitment he asks for. Now, a commitment is only as good as its follow through, Right? So we have two weeks. We pray about these things that God wants for us. This is what I'm going to do. And just take your next step. You don't have to check every single thing. What's your next step? You're like, I want to see what God has for me when I lean in like that. But then you've got to follow through. God's people do. It says in verse 4, the people of Israel put away the bales and the Asheroth and they served the Lord only. They did it. From there, Samuel, he says, gather all Israel at Mizpah and I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered at Mizpah, a clear sign that they have left They have left the other practices and they have gone together with the people who say we belong to God. Beautiful picture. They gather together, they drew water and poured it out before the Lord and fasted on that day. That pouring water out, is a um, we see clarity of that in Limitations uh, 2.19, Jeremiah writes in the future that he says, hey, go before God and pour out your hearts like water. So it was this physical picture of saying, God, this is what we're doing. We are pouring out our hearts to you. And when they pour out their hearts, they say, We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the people of Israel at Mizpah. So, God's people who say, We want God, Samuel says, Okay, if you want Him, be all in. Don't have a backup plan. Don't chase pleasure. Don't chase prosperity. Chase the presence of God. And they say, We will. They put those things out of their homes. They pursue God. They gather with God's people. They submit to Samuel's leadership. You, you judge as you see is right because we want God. Now, after they're gathering, what happens next is they close the service, and then they use their stickers to go pick up their kids. And they go from there, and they get some queso to the glory of God, and they have a good Sunday, and then they head home. Some of them nap. Some of them decide to watch football, which is a game you play with your hands. Um, there's, some, there's a little kicking. Um, and so they, they they watch that, and it's just a great day. And then uh, then a week later, they come back, and then they, and then they do it again. For those that looked at your Bible, and you're like, his Bible's not the same as mine. It's not what happens, all right? I get it. But that's the danger of what can happen with us, isn't it? We can show up, we can hear truth, we can be exposed to the Word, and say, I want to have faith like that. And then we say, that was a good Sunday. And then we just walk back out, and... And the world caves in real fast. And before we even get home, we're just like right back to like, let's just get through another week. No, I don't want us to miss what that is. Every single time we leave as a gathered people, there's a, an enemy that approaches on your life. There is the other values and there's the other things that pressure in. And you have a moment to decide, am I gonna do what I did last time? Or am I gonna step out in faith? Am I gonna believe this week? Am I gonna pray this week? Am I gonna walk with the Lord this week? Am I gonna let his peace overwhelm me this week? Am I going to live in the joy that God's given me this week? The the world comes in, and that's exactly what happens to God's people here. It says that while they're gathered, the Philistines hear that they're at Mizpah, and they make a plan, and the elders say, we're going to come up against them. And then the Israelites hear that the Philistines are on the way, and it says that they feared, is the word. The people of Israel heard verse seven and they were afraid of the Philistines. What are they gonna do this time? They didn't, they didn't show up for war, they showed up for worship. And, and war was on its way. Verse eight, the people of Israel said to Samuel, do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. Where did their hope go this time? Where do they put their faith in this time? The Lord not in their numbers, not in the people, not in their plans. God, we need him to save us. They were afraid. They had a little faith in the right thing and it made all the difference because a little faith in the right thing makes all the difference compared to a lot of faith in the wrong things. Samuel takes a nursing lamb and he offers it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord and Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel and the Lord answered him. As Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to attack Israel. I don't want to miss a, a beautiful moment in scripture. Number one, a gospel moment. Do you see what God's people have done? God's people said, the enemy is coming. We have to be right with God. That's our only concern. So they run to a mediator between them and God. That mediator sheds the blood of the lamb. By the blood of the lamb, they're made right with God. And that was their only concern when the enemy pressed in. Well, we know from scripture, John the Baptist tells us in the book of John, as Jesus walks by and he says, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus was that slain lamb. In the New Testament, he becomes that. And Jesus becomes that mediator between us and God. We've sinned against God. We can't be right with God. We deserve the judgment of God. We deserve for this world to crash in on us because we keep chasing it. But God loves us so much, he sent Jesus for us to remove the power, the penalty, and the presence of sin. And so we run to Jesus over and over. If you're like, Cody, what what do I do today? Run to Jesus. That's what you do. Turn to him, look to him, trust in him, believe he is alive and well in heaven and is a mediator between us and God. And so we have no reason to fear. So you have this beautiful picture looking ahead to Jesus, but we also have this incredible picture that when the enemy approaches, what's the right move? Deeper into your faith. What's the right move? Worship. While the enemy approached, they didn't draw battle ranks. They didn't start a new plan. They didn't go to the next like big book to be able to help whatever's going to happen. They didn't outside resource. They worshiped. Samuel says, here comes the enemy. I'm going to make a sacrifice. And while they do that, God comes through because they put their faith in the right place. It says that as they're doing this, God thunders this sound that confuses the Philistines, and then the Philistines are defeated by the Israelites. The Israelites pursue them from Mizpah all the way to beth and they overtake the Philistines. It's going to tell us after that that God rescues them out of the hand of the Philistines. All the cities the Philistines have taken go back to Israel, and God has given them victory. Bonus on top of it, you get down to verse... 14, verse 14, and there was peace also between Israel and the Amorites. When God's people got their faith right and their worship right, and they said, I'm not going to look other places. I'm all in. Whatever God wants for me, I'm just going to be all in for this. God brought victory and peace to their life, something only God can deliver. You want to know what's on the other side? of just going all in with this life of faith and trusting Jesus and walking according to his ways, victory and peace. That's what he gives them. Now, I don't want to miss verse 12. Verse 12, as God wins his victory, it says that Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen and called its name Ebenezer. For he said, till now, the Lord has helped us. It's this monument. Now, we sang this in a song earlier. Here I raise my Ebenezer. It's a song, Come Thou Fount. I remember growing up singing that. Um, full disclosure, as a kid, when I grew up singing that, this is what I imagined. Um, if you're unfamiliar, this is the incredible actor, Scrooge McDuck, playing the part of Ebenezer Scrooge um, in Mickey Mouse's A Christmas Carol. And I would sing those words, and I thought, here I raise my Ebenezer. And I remember thinking, like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> what, what's it, but, you know... One of those. So uh, turns out that, that's not what this is, all right? So when, when we sing that word, here I raise my Ebenezer, it's a reference to, to 1 Samuel 7. It's a reference to this moment that Samuel goes, God has won a victory for us. God has moved for us. God brought us this far. And so I'm, I'm taking a moment right here, the middle of the song, middle of the prayer, middle of the week, middle of the day, to say I'm raising up this monument that says God is my help.'" And it's a beautiful monument because it says, thus far God has brought me, which is a declaration that I realize all the good of my life has been God bringing me to this moment. And should there be any good on the other side of this, that is only because of the good hand of God. So it both declares God's goodness before the moment and it declares your dependence on God for everything that follows. Thus far God has helped us. Let us not forget we don't put our hope and our faith in plans and in people and in our rich past. And we don't seek pleasure and prosperity so we can be comfortable. We seek the presence of God. The presence of God is the plan. The presence of God is what brought us here. The kindness of God. And as a church that's 108 years old and in your life, any goodness of God that you can think of, you can look back and say, God brought me here. That's why as you go out in the gathering area, you may not have seen this. We've got this set up for you. It's called Share Your Story. I want to thank Christian, our student pastor, organized it to make sure it was there. This is going to be set up for the next several weeks. And this is a place that you can take one of those papers and you can share any story you want about where you've seen God work. Hey, this last year, I saw God do this. I saw God move this way. This is our way of raising our Ebenezer, of our monuments to say, hey, here it is. I'm going to write that story, and then we have a Polaroid. This is incredible technology. You take a picture, and in real time, a picture shows up. Technology. And so that way we have your face with your story. So as our church family goes by, they can say, I now know what God's done in their life, and I can read what God's done in their life. And so for us, we're, we're inviting you to do this to use this as a practical way of raising your Ebenezer, your Polaroid, that says, hey, I've seen God. God got us here. But it's also a declaration. Should there be any goodness from here, that's only going to be because of the presence of God. And so that's our application today. That's the walk away out of this service. Three things. First, direct your hearts. Direct your hearts to the Lord. That was what Samuel told them to do. Do a faith assessment. If someone were to look at your life, the reflection of your life, what does it actually say your faith is in? Direct it to the Lord. The second thing is serve the Lord only. Pray over this commitment card. Take it. We don't need this as a church. We give this as a gift, a practical tool to say, I really do want to... Put myself before the Lord and say, God, whatever you have for us together as a church, I'm only going to see if you've got all of me and if I want all of you. So I'm going to pray about this. And I want to serve the Lord only and commit to your next steps. And bring that back on the 19th to celebrate so we can celebrate with you. And then lastly, raise your Ebenezer. Make time to share a story, any story you want, where you said, I saw God work. And let us as a church celebrate that with you. Let me pray over us as we make these commitments together. Father, we turn our attentions to you. Lord, we came here to meet with you because you are our only hope. So I gotta pray with these next few quiet moments you would direct our heart to you, that you would call us to a full, unapologetic, joy-filled faith in you alone. That you would stir in us what a future together could look like, where we are committed to you. Father, would you lead us to the next steps you have for us? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen to our podcast, We hope that you've been encouraged and challenged to take steps closer to Jesus. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast, leave a review, share with your friends. It really does make a difference. And lastly, make sure to follow us on all of our social media at FBC Jinx to keep up with all that's going on in the life of our church. Again, thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week.